0: We sell disposable dental products. Taking pride in watching
1: your best customer throw away your best product.
0: The most used dental disposables in the dental office. If you don't have your reputation, you're not gonna succeed in this
2: business. When a dentist is designing a new office, who fills the cavity of space? The dentists believe that patients are more attracted to the facility itself. So it's very important to create an environment that people are comfortable in, Looks clean and aseptic, modern and beautiful. The demographics in the field of dentistry are changing.
3: Statistics show that about 50% of students entering dental school are now female dental students, and we're also seeing greater diversity. We love that.
1: This is the Language of Business, a weekly podcast designed to inform and inspire entrepreneurs and anyone thinking about a startup. Learn about strategies that work and strategies that don't work. I'm executive producer Don Kelly. Our host is Greg Stoller, Harvard MBA and senior lecturer at Boston University Questrom School of Business. On this episode, the language of business goes to the Yankee Dental Congress at the Boston Convention and Exhibition Center and drills down on the business of dentistry. Here's Greg Stoller. Thanks, Don.
4: Where does your dentist restock the disposable dental supplies that he or she goes through every year? We're here with Paul Paisner, the owner of Door-to-Door Dental, and welcome to Language of Business.
0: Thank you. Nice to be here.
4: What does Door-to-Door Dental sell?
0: We sell disposable dental products, the most used dental disposables in the operatory, in the dental office. We also sell patient setup kits that a dentist can custom make, including the products that they use on every patient. For instance, one kit may have five cotton rolls five two by two gauze, a saliva ejector, a bib, a bib holder, a mask, headrest cover, a tray cover. Depending on what they want, everything is different and we make an array of those type of kits.
4: Why though are the gloves that you're selling different from any other company that's distributing the same products?
0: I only look for products that are good. Not necessarily most expensive. I don't want a top shelf in a bar, I want a middle shelf. I want something I can buy at the right price that's an excellent quality product that somebody isn't going to worry about and I'll be able to sleep nights selling it.
4: Would you rather have a smaller number of dentists with a larger book of business or the opposite?
0: Probably a combination of both because we do business with some of the dental schools that buy those prepackaged, custom. Infection control patient setup kits, and we also do business with a number of dentists in the Boston area and a little beyond.
4: The material that you distribute, where is it manufactured?
0: A lot of it's manufactured in China. Some of it's manufactured here. But basically, what we sell are the most commonly used, non specific dental products in the dental office.
4: And are each of the products that you distribute at the same margin?
0: No because some of them I have to buy higher and sell lower, some of them a larger volume, so I can buy better and I can price it differently.
4: What are your best and worst selling products?
0: We sell more gloves than anything else. And our other products are spread over the full spectrum.
4: How do you see the industry changing in the next three to five years?
0: I've seen a lot of consolidation where businessmen have gone in and bought practices and they start with one or two practices and now they're up to 25, 30, 40 practices and they try to get the best price for their products. But we try to build relationships. We're not looking to just get somebody today and have them turn around and move someplace else tomorrow. We want to build relationships and we adjust our businesses to do that.
4: You've identified a young protege, a young buck, if you will, that is going to take over your business in the next five years. What single piece of advice would you give them today?
0: Your reputation is worth more than anything, worth more than a big customer. For 35 years, I had a medical surgical company, had a very good reputation, didn't get all the business, got some, but I always faced the music. If you don't have your reputation, you're not going to succeed in this business. Paul, thank you. You're welcome.
4: Paul Pazner, president of door to door Dental here in Boston.
1: This is the Language of Business drill down on the business of dentistry. Coming up, the dentistry demographics are changing, but first, when a dentist is designing a new office, who fills the cavity of space? Back to Greg Stoller at the Yankee Dental Congress.
4: You need something, built, so do you use a general architect? How about if you're a dentist? We're on location at the Yankee Dental Conference here in Boston with Eddie Kopelman, the President of C-Square Construction, and welcome to the Language of Business.
2: Thank you. Great to be here. What is the difference between design and construction for your firm? My firm basically makes money building dental facilities. We offer as a value-added service a lot of design adjunct services that go along with the work done on the mechanical design by the dental distributors often and local architects and engineers, and some even national firms. So we work with them, we take care of the permitting process itself, pre-qualify the properties as far as zoning, plan review requirements that may exist and general code requirements. And additionally, we do a fair amount of fire prevention, engineering and details to go along with our work, as well as HVAC, design built.
4: Where is the margin higher in the design or the construction side of it?
2: For my company, it's definitely in the construction side because we're offering the additional interior decorating services that I mentioned before as a value-added service. So we're not looking for that as an isolated fee. Rather, we're using that to entice our clients to utilize our general contracting services.
4: How do your services get marketed or found by the dentists themselves?
2: Ninety percent of the time it's based upon referral. Our marketing is very limited. The dental industry being such a niche business, at least as construction goes, it's generally based on referrals from the dental distributors themselves, the architectural firms that service a lot of these groups, landlords, and then the dentists themselves who we've worked with and we've hopefully built up a good name with.
4: What is the average size of one of your projects?
2: The average size would be about 1,900 square feet. The average aggregate cost would probably be about $300,000. But that
4: doesn't necessarily include the equipment that a dentist is going to purchase?
2: Correct. Dental chairs, the x-ray machines, the dental lights that you typically see when you walk in as a patient are provided by the dental supply company.
4: You're not a dentist. Most dentists are not trained business people. How do you ensure that you're speaking the same language?
2: One advantage I have is that my family has been servicing the New England dental community since 1929. My father begrudgingly got into my grandfather's business after he got out of the army in World War II, and I came in in 1981 for what I hoped was going to be two years, but I'm still here and I'm a little older than 22.
4: What are you hearing from most dentists in terms of changes to their practice that might impact your services?
2: It has evolved dramatically in the last, really, 20 years, and the dentists believe that patients are more attracted to the facility itself than they were prior to that. So it's very important for the dentist to create an environment that people are comfortable in, looks clean and aseptic, is efficient, and then hopefully modern and beautiful. How much of
4: your business is repeat referral if a dentist wants to do a renovation?
2: Actually, it's probably about 20 25% of the work.
4: So the same people that you've worked with maybe 10 or 15 years ago are coming back to you and saying, C-Square Construction, we need you to do an upgrade.
2: Yeah, but it's a little different than that. I've been doing this for 20 years now. Right. And so hopefully, as far as durability goes, nothing needs to be substantially altered during that time, and most of the work related to those facilities would be just be cosmetic. However, what we're seeing a lot of is people building multiple offices today.
4: Uh, Eddie, thank you very much. You're welcome. Eddie Kopelman, President of C-Square Construction here in Boston.
2: This is the language of
1: business drill down on the business of dentistry. Next up, the demographics of the industry are changing. Back to Greg Stoller at the Yankee Dental Congress.
4: As a practicing dentist, what benefit do you get joining a dental society? We're on location at the Yankee Dental Conference here in Boston with Dr. Ray Martin, who's the president of the Mass Dental Society, and welcome to Language of Business. Thank you. What do you do as the president of the Mass Dental Society?
3: I help direct the volunteer leadership of the Massachusetts Dental Society to create member programming so that we can help all our members succeed. Are you a volunteer or is this a paid position? I'm a volunteer. And how do you
4: balance this with your day job of being a practicing dentist?
3: I'm far enough along in my career where I can choose the amount of hours that I want to work and I've been able to utilize that and have time to devote to the Dental Society. And is
4: this a rotating position or something that you are going to be the president for say the next five years?
3: It's an elected position and it's a four year run through by bylaws, so you're vice president for one year, then president elect, president for one year, and then immediate past president for one year.
4: How does the Mass Dental Society differ from other dental societies or associations in Massachusetts?
3: The Massachusetts Dental Society represents all dentists, so all specialists, you know, all general dentists, every kind of dentist out there and everything. A lot of the other organizations just represent a specific segment within dentistry, such as oral surgeons or endodontists or orthodontists, something like that.
4: Is that something unique to Massachusetts or are there other similar societies across the country?
3: every state has its own dental society and we're part of the American Dental Association so it's what we call a tripartite. There's a local component, a state component, and a national component.
4: What benefit does a dentist receive being the member
3: of a dental society? Well one of the things is being able to come to great shows like this, Yankee Dental Congress. Massachusetts Dental Society owns and runs this convention and we normally have between 27 and 28,000 attendees they can come to this and get education and see new technologies that will better their practice of dentistry. So we'll have a direct relationship with bettering oral care for all our population.
4: Outside of this three-day conference, however, what benefit do you also provide your members?
3: We advocate for our members on a state level. We advocate with the state legislature. We also uh, advocate with regulatory bodies. And are you providing educational classes, CEUs if you will,
4: during the off-season outside of the conference as well?
3: We do. We have something that we call the Yankee Institute that runs year-round. I'm one of the lecturers for that. I lecture on risk management in dentistry and ethics in dentistry. And we have a whole series of speakers that give courses throughout the year.
4: If a dentist feels like he or she has been wronged by either a law or some other aspect, how do they proceed? Do they pursue this themselves? Do they go through the dental society or do they do something entirely different?
3: Well, they can certainly touch bases with the dental society and we have legislative and government affairs component that will help them to advocate through the state, through whatever body, to find out the information of where they need to go and then see if we have the resources to help them fight if there's been something that has detrimentally affected them.
4: From a strategic planning standpoint, how do you plan to use your presidency over the next few years as the Mass Dental Society head?
3: My initiative coming in was for uh, governance change and, and reformatting. So, our society has existed this way for over 150 years. And there are certain traditions and everything in how a society is formatted. And so I'm looking at changing those to create the society of 2025 for our new young leaders. And do you see a demographic shift in your membership right now? I do. We're seeing many more female dentists. Uh, their statistics show that about 50% of dental students entering dental school are now female dental students. And we're also seeing greater diversity. We love that. And so, but we want to create the society that is diverse in many different ways. So
4: as a general dentist, is that sort of passe? Are you saying that there are more specialists coming down or is there a more even mix between general dentist and specialists?
3: In dentistry, it's very unlike medicine. And there's still about 80% or so are general dentists. So the amount of general dentist to specialist ratio is much different than medicine. And that is, is not really predicted to change in the immediate future. Dr. Martin, thank you very much. You're welcome. Dr. Ray Martin, president of the Mass Dental
4: Society, and we're on location at the Yankee Dental Conference here in Boston.
1: Coming up, planning five years ahead for the well-being of a dental practice and for your teeth when the language of business drilled down into the business of dentistry continues. Our sponsor is Art Lifting. If you have a small business, or even if you run a Fortune 500 company, you can uplift the look of your office with Art Lifting. Art Lifting has over 1,300 artworks in a variety of styles and prices. You can buy them or rent them and switch them up on a rotation every month or so. But wait, there's more. All of the Art Lifting art is by artists who are homeless or dealing with disabilities. So you not only brighten and uplift your office, you're helping local communities across the USA. To learn more and view the collection, go to ArtLifting.com. This is the Language of Business drill down into the business of dentistry. Once again, here's Greg Stoller. Thanks, Don.
4: How much time does a dentist get to focus on the non-medical aspects of his practice? We're on location at the Yankee Dental Conference here in Boston with Dr. Jeff Lowenstein and welcome to the Language of Business. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. You are a practicing orthodontist.
5: Yes, I am practicing.
4: And how much time do you get to spend on non-medical aspects of what you do?
5: I would say I uh, allocate about a half a day every week just to do inventory, looking over insurance, looking over everything except working actually in the mouth. How about strategic planning? Strategic planning, we probably get together, my staff and I probably get together once a month just to look over everything how we are doing, where we're going, what techniques there are. So I would say about once a month, which is not enough time.
4: Are you focused on generally the next six to 12 months or the next three to five years?
5: I focus probably the next five to 10 years in that we're trying to get everything in place so that the practice runs smoothly.
4: And what would need to be in place five years from now?
5: What we're looking at are the newest orthodontic techniques, the newest equipment. And that changes every month now. So we're looking always to upgrade what actually we are using to treat all the patients.
4: So do you consider yourself licensed or notwithstanding to be a dentist or a business person?
5: I'm a dentist first, orthodontist first. and. I try to do as much as I can on that other side of the practice, but, you know, I have a good accountant, I have a great lawyer. I can't do it all by myself.
4: But when a patient's sitting in the chair... I have to do it by myself. (laughs) (laughs) But all joking aside, when that patient is sitting in the chair, you have to be 100% focused on the medical medical necessity. Right.
5: The patient and the parent and everybody that is in the operatory gets 100%. Of my time, 100%. I'm doing everything for them at that time. So most of those other areas that we have to concentrate on is usually after hours.
4: And after hours, do people ever contact you about their bill or contact you about not being happy with the procedure? Or is that just not done these days?
5: I have a practice where they can call me any time of the day, any time of night, and I'm the one that answers the phone. I have a great staff if they have any problems with anything. We like to be able to give people instant responses. So if there's a problem, I want to hear about it.
4: How are you getting younger people to replace maybe your older patients in your practice who might have retired and moved away?
5: Well what is great about being an orthodontist is that we're always getting new patients, young and old. I treat adults as well. So. We're very lucky that uh, you know the patients know our practice, are comfortable in our office, and so we've been very good.
4: Anything keep you up at night about your practice or being a dentist?
5: Absolutely nothing. I feel that the staff that I have, and as I say, I'm the orthodontist, but I can't work all by myself, and the people that I have in place, the people that answer the phones and help me with patients are fantastic. And I know at the end of a day, everything is taken care of. Now, that doesn't mean when we get into the office the next day, there may be some situations that we have to um, make a phone call or something. But I sleep very well at night. Dr. Lowenstein, thank you very much. Thank you, Greg. Dr.
4: Jeffrey Lowenstein, practicing orthodontist in the Metro West region of Massachusetts.
1: Thanks, Greg. And that's our episode this week. You can find links to all the people and companies we've interviewed on the show notes. We now have downloads in 54 countries. The latest is Mexico. Hola. Gracias por el apoyo. Thanks for the support. If you subscribe and leave a rating on Apple Podcasts, it would be a huge help. Social media for the language of business is by Jennifer Powell of ExcellentWriters.com. Consulting producer is Helen Tierney of Happy Accident Productions. Audio editing and voiceover by yours truly. Special thanks to Mike Carruthers of SomethingYouShouldKnow.net. For Greg Stoller and the entire team, I'm executive producer Don Kelly. Thanks for listening to The Language of Business.